100th episode of AEW Dynamite was tonight, September 1st, 2021. That means it's over with. You're here on Wrestling Inc., whether it's YouTube, Twitch, whatever the case may be, joining us for our post-Dynamite recap podcast. I'm Justin LaVar alongside the man that keeps the train rolling, Raj Geary, and special guest for Wednesday night, Chuck Carroll, as Alfred Cunnewell is off tonight. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good, man. How are you? Good. We got uh, you know, a go-home Dynamite tonight. We got a, a lot of news headlines to, to, to cover, and of course we got a big pay-per-view this Sunday, so uh, uh, exciting times. Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to dive into this show because I, I will come out and state uh, before we get rolling that unlike what happens typically with a WWE pay-per-view, the go-home show, I am looking forward to what is going to happen on Sunday night. I think that AEW did a really good job building toward the payoff come Sunday. Yeah, I thought tonight's show, you know, I thought I had even tweeted this, like, if you look at the number of uh, minutes for actual wrestling uh, compared, you know, percentage-wise to the rest of the show, it's probably lower than Raw. Um, and but I thought it was a great mix because all the interviews they mix up how they did the different interviews with doing the video interviews and the, the in-ring. Everything was building up to the pay-per-view. I thought it was a really strong episode. Move fast. Um, great ending. Uh, so, yeah, I thought this was a, a really good show tonight. They definitely packed it into two hours. They managed to give you sometimes multiple segments, multiple recaps, uh, or some things recaps, some things live, of literally every single match on the show, on the card. Yeah, AEW, uh, WWE, listen to what Justin just said. They packed it into two hours. Please, for the love of God, get rid of hour three. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're going to be listening, uh, Chuck, but we can I we can know. always we can always dare, dare to dream. <laughs> you got the stroke, Justin. Make it happen, man. Oh, I have the stroke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, everybody's still kind of filtering in here, so we'll we'll let them let them come in. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was uh, you know, and, and Chuck, you talked about the importance of the show, and I was noting to to Raj and the guys on Monday. This is going to be a real big indicator for AEW. You know, they're making a lot of big moves right now. Obviously, CM Punk at the forefront of that. But this pay-per-view buy number, and we haven't had a pay-per-view buy number that's mattered so much in so long, especially with WWE being on the WWE Network for the last six years. This is going to be a huge indicator. Is all this investment, is all this time and these big moves, does it translate into a pay-per-view buy? Because, I mean, you know, Dynamite and Rampage ratings are great for free TV, but can you can you capitalize on getting people to spend 50 bucks to, to watch a card you're building towards? Braj, you want to take that one? I feel like I've been monopolizing the first dibs on questions. Yeah, sorry, I'm just sending a couple emails out. Um, yeah, I th- you know, I think, uh, I mean, this isn't some great prediction here, but I think this is going to be their biggest pay-per-view by far ever, as far as the buy rate goes. I think it's going to be well over 200. Um, and, you know, I think their top right now is 150. I, you know, I think, I, I just don't know if Darby's the right opponent. I, I just kind of feel like I, I see what they're trying to do, give a younger guy the rub. But I almost feel like he he needs a bigger marquee name. You know, Darby's never been in the main event of a pay-per-view. Uh, just to really get that, that anticipation really high. This feels more like people are watching it because Punk is just wrestling as opposed to also um, th- th- there being a big buzz about the match itself. Yeah, I agree with that. The counter, though, is that it really doesn't matter who you put him in the ring with. After seven years of anticipation, the fact of the matter is CM Punk is 
finally stepping back inside the ring and wrestling a match. You could put him in there with Marco Stunt, for goodness sakes, and it's still going to draw a record number of buys for AEW. But I do see what you're saying as far as Darby Allen. Would this be a, a bigger match? Um, if you put him in there, maybe, I don't know, is Jungle Boy on that level? Uh, would you put him in there with somebody from the Elite? I'd almost, I'd almost say like a Ricky Starks. So you could do more. Because since him and Darby are both baby faces, there's not, I feel like they're a little, a little limited in what you can do. Whereas with someone like a Ricky Starks, you could have Ricky Starks talking smack. And, and you know, you could have Darby, you know, kind of helping CM Punk if he gets attacked by Ricky Starks and, and you know, Team Taz. I just feel like you could do a little more there and then go, you know, build on down the line to Punk and Darby if that's how you want to go. I think they need to go to Punk and Omega and get that buy rate as soon as they can. But, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, again, this is it's going to be a huge pay-per-view regardless. And I think they know that. So but um, yeah, it is interesting. They decided to go face face for uh, Punk's retirement. I guess it's kind of where the Daniel Garcia 2.0 element comes in. It gives it gives some kind of a, a heat heel foiled to it but it is you know, i never i never would have predicted that if cm punk comes back to wrestling after the seven-year hiatus that his first match would be a baby face baby face match right does that mean that maybe there's the potential for somebody turning here and there's a little bit of a swerve that's coming you see sting removed himself from the match tonight so kind of gives you the indication that something might be up hmm? Hmm? what say you I think Sting's just out of there so that way the focus can truly be on Punk and Darby. And I mean, like, if Sting's out there, like, what's he going to I mean, it's a, again, it's a face versus face match. So, um, you know, he's not going to. Uh, and Punk doesn't have anybody in his corner. So it's not like Sting needs to be out there to keep an eye on anybody. I think, if anything, Sting's removed from the match. So maybe at some point, again, the doors open up for Daniel Garcia and company to come out and try to ruin this, you know, great classic return match. And then Sting can try to come out and get them out but i mean there's really no point if it's face versus face for one face to have somebody in their corner you know it's just yeah 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 that, that's kind of what i took it as and michael the virus with a good point darby is needed he can be a bump machine and make punk look good if he's rusty and tired uh yeah that is a good point you know darby can definitely have a good match and, and they could do a lot of uh smoke and mirrors with with Darby as far as table, you know, going through tables and coffin drops and things like that. So yeah, that that definitely is a good point. I mean, well, but, yeah, I mean, we're, we're Punk just, can, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was uh, going to say Punk can hit Darby with the GTS pretty easy. You know, he looked like he had a little trouble tonight, so. Yeah, a little bit of a ring rust, but I mean, guys, we're, the fact of the matter is we're kind of nitpicking this, and the, all eyes are going to be on this match. As I said, no matter who he's going to be in the ring with, I think that AEW has themselves a surefire home run, a grand slam, in fact, and that's the bottom line here. So it really doesn't matter. We're nitpicking here. I think that it's going to be a fantastic match, and it'll be interesting to see who goes over. I fully suspect that Punk's going to get the win in his return uh but that doesn't mean like you said earlier that darby isn't going to get that rub i think that both guys are going to come out a little bit better here well we'll table the uh, cm punk conversation for a few minutes we will get back to once we get to that spot here in dynamite we'll talk about who is going to win how is, is there any op is there any chance at all for punk to lose and is that the final match of the night so think about that also if you have any questions that you want to make sure you get on the uh, podcast here about that topic Ernie, make sure you hit that super chat and send some love over to the wrestling Inc. bank account but first let's get into some news headlines real quick before we go running through dynamite uh, you can read all of this on uh, wrestling inc doc i'm actually start with uh aew here uh so it's announced that you're going to need proof of your COVID 19 vaccination to attend that big 
uh, episode of Dynamite that's going to be held at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens. Of course, uh, you know, Dynamite, AEW's got big all out coming up here, and then they have this big show uh, in Queens. A lot of rumors about what could happen there. Uh, but part of the local requirements that's going on in New York City is that they are going to ask anybody who is a ticket holder age 12 and up, you will be required to provide proof of at least one dose of COVID 19's vaccine to enter the venue. Um, Ticketmaster will provide refunds to fans who refuse to show proof. So uh, if you're not vaccinated, you at least can get your money back there for any tickets you might have purchased. Uh, Raj, I'll, I'll start with you. I mean, this doesn't come as a surprise. New York City had already started to you know, say you need to get vaccinated. There's a lot of other different businesses and, and situations where they're starting to require that unless you have a, a medical or religious uh, reason not to. Um, are you cool with this? Is this, this fine for you? Uh, I mean... From a business standpoint, I guess, like like even AEW, like do you? I mean, obviously you you, you got to do the show, you got to follow the guidelines. Like, you, is this going to hurt ticket holders, ticket attendance at all? Do you think? Uh, gosh, I'm sure it's going to hurt some, uh, and you know, I think this is just how it's going to be. Uh, you know, right now we're probably going to see this this Delta variant get worse going into the fall and the winter, like we did last year, especially among those unvaccinated. It's almost like, do we want to go back to shutdown? And I don't, I don't think we do. So uh, I guess they're feeling like the masks is not good enough. People are taking them off. So uh, this is the only way to do a safe show. And, and look, I'd much rather have that. And, and as a business owner, I'd much rather have required proof of vaccination than having to shut down. So uh, it, it's, it still sucks the, where, where we're at, um, that we haven't gotten to get rid of this thing and past, uh, past COVID. But that is reality. And we're going to be seeing a lot more of that, I think, coming up in the next few months. But, you know, again, hopefully that's as bad as it gets and we don't get back into shutdown mode. Yeah, let's not forget that these same rules, I believe, are going to apply for the WWE show at the Garden here in a couple of weeks as well. I mean, this is a citywide mandate that was uh, issued by Mayor Bill de Blasio. So um, all of that became effective um, no matter what performance it is uh, as of August 17th. So this has been kind of uh, in the works here for a couple of weeks already. So I suspect that the same will apply for the WWE show. And if you're going to run any type of show, in New York City, whether it's wrestling or basketball, whatever the case may be, this is just the way that it's going to be uh, for fans when they have to come in. They got to show that proof. Well, if you're a fan that chooses not to go uh, to the show now because of this ruling, uh, the the ticket market is hot and heavy to get your hands on some of these uh, elite, pun intended, AEW uh, shows that have all this build behind it. So uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe you'll make a profit uh, if you're in that secondary ticket market. So we'll uh, we'll see how that unfolds. All right, let's jump over to some WWE news. Uh, actually, well, actually, we'll 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 stick with AEW. So we'll talk CM Punk real quick here, uh, since Punk seems to be the reoccurring theme. Uh, this is a headline on Wrestling Inc. You can read about uh, CM Punk saying his wife AJ Lee uh, that she's not interested in returning uh, to the ring. Uh, Punk recently spoke to the New York Post uh, to, of course, promote his match at All Out this Sunday, uh, and he was asked about rumors if AJ is interested in coming back. Uh, and that you know his return might spark a return for her. And he goes, I just want to say no, just because of her neck. The reason she stopped wrestling is because of her neck, and she's got a bad neck, and I wouldn't want her to jeopardize her health, and neither would she. So we'll put an end to those rumors right now. Uh, Chuck, are you surprised by this? No, I think that you know it's it's good that he's kind of squashing those rumors before they get any any bigger. Um, does it really come as a surprise? No, because I think that she actually would have popped up before now if she had interest in returning to the ring. Um, I do believe that she is 
I don't want to say happily retired, but given what it was that uh, I believe she said in her book, as far as having uh, checked off all of the boxes that she wanted to check off as far as her wrestling career, I think that she's okay with the fact that she's wrestled her final match. And even though we see people returning from these neck issues and these head issues nowadays, see Christian Cage, see Daniel Bryan, uh, I think that um, this one might be a little bit different. And I think that she is not coming back and that's okay yeah uh, we we have seen people eventually come back from from neck issues uh you know pretty recently i mean is it do you think it's possible that you know if she sees how much fun cm punk is having if he's enjoying his time that she's like "Ah, i could do one or two matches you know just a couple one-offs um and who knows i'm I'm you know punk says it's not happening so you know we've got to take his word for that but you know, we have seen people come back from uh, that we never thought would wrestle again. Yeah, I mean, Edge, Daniel Bryan, Christian Cage, it's all there. So, um, yeah, I mean, and it doesn't mean that you don't get to see a one-off, uh, not even a match, but it doesn't mean you don't get to see her, you know, hop a guardrail one time or have an embrace with him at some point in the right moment. So, right. Um, I'm sure, you know, it's possible we'll see her uh, her, her wonderful face up on AEW TV in some form or fashion somewhere. I think in some form or fashion, she could absolutely help the women's division. I think that they could use a, a veteran or two in that locker room on the women's side of things. So even if she's not getting physical in the ring, she could definitely bring value to the organization. So I don't want to rule that possibility out. Absolutely. All right, moving on with the headlines here. Uh, according to Fightful Select, it looks like WrestleMania 38 coming to you from AT&T Stadium next April could be a two-night extravaganza of Saturday and Sunday, April 2nd and April 3rd. Um, you know, this, guys, I, I, this doesn't really come as a shock to me. Uh, you, you know, we've seen two-night manias now. Um, it, it, it was already, even before they did that with mania, you know, we've seen major, you know, festivals, concerts and stuff, you know, move into that two-night territory. Uh, I just figured it was inevitable that WWE would eventually adopt this model. You know, of course, it shakes up. The initial question, what I'd always hear, is it shakes up, you know, their nice their nice weekend of takeovers and hall of fames and whatever else, but takeovers may not be a factor here much longer. So <laughs> I, I think this kind of makes sense. If they can, if, they, if the demands there, the ticket buyers are there, why would you not? I think it's going to be the status quo moving forward. This comes as absolutely no surprise. Uh, you know, I think that even when they did it for the first time during the pandemic, they probably caught wind just based off of viewership numbers that there might be something there. And then to do it this year with fans in the stadium and seeing all the demand for tickets being uh, there for two nights, absolutely. It makes all the sense in the world to make this a two-night extravaganza. And then, yeah, which program becomes the sacrificial lamb is it takeover are the takeovers going to change with those nxt changes that are coming and i know we're going to be talking about that in just a second or does the hall of fame ceremony go away because there's no physical hall of fame do you need a hall of fame ceremony anymore i don't know which one is it going to be i think the takeovers could be a thing of the past but you tell me raj what do you think i mean i love it i mean i've been saying this uh you know since this past, you know, since last year, or I've actually been saying it for years, since WrestleMania started being eight hours, once you factor in the, the kickoff and everything, it, it was just by the end of the show, no matter how good it was, uh, by the end, you're just exhausted and you're just waiting for it to be over. And I thought it really showed that year with uh, that, that uh, when you had Kofi Kingston uh, in the middle. 
beating Daniel Bryan, and the crowd was going nuts. And then by the main event with Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, they were just dead. And and the second half of that show was mostly dead. So I think it's a great move. Uh, I, I think you have two strong nights. I, I love it, and uh, I've been calling for it for years, and I think it's great. Yeah, and to your point, I was at that WrestleMania in the press box, and there were guys literally asleep during the second half of that show because it was just dragging on and on and on and on and they just had had enough they tapped out put their head down on the desk and we're snoozing through the main event yeah yeah i was at that mania as well and uh i was i was sitting down in the crowd and i was almost asleep myself now taking some shots with david arquette and Macaulay Culkin contributes <laughs> to that but no but it dragged and too to much so much chuck i don't know if you ran into this at all but like so much so i luckily was staying that night at a hotel that was within really close distance there in jersey but i heard and i've seen this before with other man other manias but it was especially bad on this one of people the transportation getting out it, it was so late and what was available to get at from jersey to if you got to go back to new york or whatever I mean, just terrible PR for, for these for Mania when you had that happen, when people were spending that kind of money and you keep them there that late. Oh, it was such a show. And let's not forget that there was a torrential downpour almost as soon as the show ended. So you had literally tens of thousands of people backed up waiting to get a train that was not really coming. And they were just getting absolutely soaked. We're talking blinding rain. And I remember trying to get an Uber out of there and that wasn't happening. Like I had to wait two hours to get an Uber and it cost me 400 freaking dollars to get wow. to Manhattan taking an uber but hey i saved six hours waiting in line i'm pretty sure that there were still people waiting for a train as the sun was coming up that's how backed up that place was to to exit that night it was a debacle yeah it was a disaster and if they had ended a couple hours earlier it wouldn't have been that bad because you would have had a lot more public transportation going on a normal schedule so well, and I know Raj is a fan of two-hour or two-night manias because that's that's better for Wrestling Inc.'s website. There you go. <laughs> it's better for the podcast. You get two mania podcasts. It's really having that one eight-hour <laughs> really <laughs> the main reason why. <laughs> All right. I, I, I just sorry. I just gotta. I, I gotta respond to this guy Corey Pride saying, "Raj, would you want your wife risking her health? Come on, man. What what the hell is he talking about?" I didn't say, uh, obviously I wouldn't. Uh, me and my wife, we both got our vaccine as soon as we could. I don't get your point. So, um, th anyway. It's talking about that or AJ Lee? Oh, maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe it was AJ Lee. That's a good point. Yeah. I think, um, I think he didn't appreciate whatever your opinion, your, your opinion with the AJ. Uh, oh, okay. About AJ Lee. All right. I thought it was about, I was like, what the f <laughs> don't get hot rush all right no i'm saying if she's cleared and wants to i'm not saying i it's a hundred percent chance that she's never gonna wrestle again that's just my point but i believe punk that aj's not wrestling again all right and uh finally here in our, our headline portion of the uh show uh this coming from the wrestling observer as uh as chuck kind of alluded to we've been hearing more and more about you know nxt changes of course we've seen the new logo we've heard the new music they got a little tease of running on raw and uh brian Al brian alvarez reporting on wrestling observer live that nxt will be a vince mcmahon bruce pritchard production when the brand returns to live shows here in a few weeks he additionally dave Meltzer reports that mcmahon and pritchard will be the behind the big decisions not the little ones and will be behind marketing promotion and the overall direction, uh, their booking role might just be kept uh, to the top uh, of the card. But Alvarez says it's going to be like the old NXT. Uh, so, I mean, 
this is you know, the old NXT for anybody who's not you know a newer fan. You know NXT before it was the the show that we've come to love that that was airing on the network and then USA uh, Network on Wednesdays and now Tuesdays. NXT was kind of like a developmental reality show uh, in a way of where they would have you know pair uh, pair a youngster up with a, a veteran. Uh, they would have them do you know what a co- like obstacle courses and some ridiculous stuff. So it, it was very very entertainment gaga heavy i mean raj do, do, do you do you buy into this do you think this is the direction they're going to be moving into no i don't i think that old nxt that's going back like 10 years uh 10 12 years i i think they're talking more like when nxt first started as developmental um but uh, but as its own wrestling brand but developmental that, that that's how i took it okay. um you know, I got, look, I got worried. I got worried because the new logo and everything it looks like a Nickelodeon logo. So I was like, I can see, this, I can see this turn into an episode of Global Guts or something. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I mean, I look. I something with NXT wasn't clicking. I mean, it had dropped way more than other wrestling shows. Uh, when they stopped going head to head with AEW, everyone thought NXT ratings were going to go up. They're actually down from when they were on Wednesday nights. Opposed. So they they needed a change. I'm, I was all for them upgrading their production because you you compare the look of NXT to AEW, and it's just night and day. One looks you know big time mainstream, uh, like a big event, and the other looks like there's no people there in a warehouse. So I was all for you know upping the look. Where they go from that is where it concerns me. Like uh, if it's just big plotting guys uh beating up smaller guys um you know the, the kind of guys Vince likes and, and just you know pushing those kind of guys that's what where it bothers it, it worries me a little if they're talking about going back to the NXT when Finn Balor was on top and I'm not talking about you know earlier this year or last year whenever that was but you know during his first run when you had Nakamura I mean, I thought those were like the glory days in NXT. I thought it was awesome. So if they went back to that, I'm all for it uh, with an upped production. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, this first episode is it? It's not next week. It's the week after. Is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, I, I think I think that that's that's wishful thinking on your part, uh, Raj. I think that look, I mean, cue the trumpets. Let's play taps and pour out a little liquor because the NXT that we know and have come to love is absolutely dead. I think that they're actually going to turn back the clock all the way to the Florida Championship Wrestling days. All right, that still had a much more main roster kind of a feel to it. It, it had that. Yeah, I don't know that just that general WWE fingerprint on it. And I think that that's where this is going. And and I believe that the report said that Vince and Bruce were going to be handling the bigger decisions, including marketing and things of that nature. And uh, boy, you know, they love to market kind of the mm, childish aspect of it. The family friendly, let's, you know, have clowns and doink and do drop and all kinds of crap that just drives me up the freaking wall and colors. So many colors. I just can't stand it. But I will watch that first one uh, Tuesday before tapping out. I'll promise you that much. But I, I'm not holding out any sort of hope. Well, whatsoever. did you did you see that NXT poster that they had floating around with the, the colorful one? It looks like a dynamite poster. I don't know if you've seen that. It, I mean, it looks like dynamite. I mean, almost exactly. Like if you just changed out the wrestlers, you would think it was dynamite. 
Is that not just the logo that you're talking about that you have up on wrestlinginc.com? No, no, it's the it's, there's an actual poster, and I'll, I'll see, I'll, I'll find it here in a second. I'll put it up. Yeah, please do. But, I guess uh, what I guess what worries me here is that um, you know we already look at and, and you know it's a origin of, of a lot of complaint of they already you know Vince and company already have you know five hours of TV they write on a normal week when there's no pay per views, and now you're going to add something else on the workload. That, that they're going to oversee, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and of course, and never mind the fact that, you know, we all, especially all of us at a certain age, we all come to love this fact that you have, you know, Shawn Michaels with his best buddy, you know, you know, running a show that, that that's kind of got like an old school kind of feel to it. And now if that's not the case anymore, and, you know, if you're going to do an upgrade and try to change NXT and do new logos, do new look, brighten it up, lighten it up, I still just don't, you're so limited if you're remaining in that performance center. Yeah. And a, I mean, I've been there. It's a wonderful state-of-the-art facility for training and developing. It's not meant for t. It's not meant for big live TV on a Tuesday night when you're trying to get over a million viewers. It, it just doesn't. It just doesn't work. And Justin, let's not forget. You know, if Fence is really taking a hands-on role here with the bigger picture, and that I assume would include some booking. We just saw this past week where reportedly there were changes after changes after changes so late in the game as you know Raw was creeping towards Showtime. You have veterans on your main roster. NXT is developmental. You can't put that kind of pressure on people who are still cutting their teeth and are green to the business. That show is just going to implode. You're going to be giving people a nervous freaking breakdown. Your talent's not going to be able to handle that. I'm just saying that's a real issue. All right, there we go. There is the the poster. Yeah, huh. it, it's got the color splash just like Dynamite. Yeah, it's it's really... Yeah. I feel like uh, Rob Schaumburg may, may have pa- uh, painted that one. I mean, it looks good. I it think it looks. I mean, it look, but it looks like dynamite. Yeah. Um, well, it. I, we'll we'll see. This is um, you know who, I know Vince has always said he's never going to die. He's never going to retire. You know, every wrestler says he's going to outlive all of them. The guy just turned seventy six. I hope when I'm seventy six, I'm not adding hours of work. Okay. All right, that's your news headlines. Do a few super chats real quick. Go. Nope, you beat me to it here. Ah, sorry. Um, I'll let you. I'll let you do them. <clears throat> Corey, Corey Pride, five dollars. Hi guys. There's a narrative out there that the young bucks have purposely buried FTR, kept them off TV, etc. Is that over now, or was tonight a one-off? You guys hear or buy into any rumors of the Bucks burying FTR? No, I mean yeah. Tony Khan is flat out said himself. The buck stops with him. He makes all the decisions. He, um, I, I I don't buy that for a second, and. Look, FTR were they were ta- were they the tag team champions? I'm already losing track. They yeah. were the yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean they're higher profile than you know they were pretty much their entire WWE run. There were a few weeks they were aligned with Shane McMahon, but that kind of went nowhere. So I, I, I don't buy that. Not at all. Let me double down on that. There's zero chance that there's any truth to that rumor. Well, I'll triple down if the Young Bucks. Had any intention to try to bury FTR, all they did was cost themselves a payday. I don't think they tried to bury FTR. In fact, I, I think, you know, again, the, the, these two teams playfully leaned into the internet rumors and gossip for a long time when they were, you know, when FTR was still with WWE. They set up so much fan interest in them and, and, and let's see these two teams, you know, take, take on each other. And then finally, they had the situation to do it in AEW. And yeah, they worked together, but in my mind, they really just flopped and mishandled the timing and the booking of how they got to that match and just really missed out on it being a bigger deal so i don't think that they buried after i think they, i think if anything if they all just kind of buried themselves and just missing out on it being a, a bigger deal bigger 
you know, granted, it was still during the pandemic of limited attendance, if, if any attendance. But I don't know. I, I always thought that it was just kind of poorly executed the way uh, the way it all eventually played out with FTR coming in and, and taking on the Bucks. Yeah. yeah. And Cash yeah. Wheeler's been out with an injury. I mean, that was a gruesome injury. So um, yep. it's not like they were being kept off TV. Right. Uh, Robert B, $5, is Pack and Andrade off all out? I didn't see anything mentioned tonight. Uh, yeah, Tony Khan acknowledged that there is, a, because of travel issues, I'm going to assume with Pack. Uh, I don't know if he specified, but uh, that match is off all out. I think he said it's going to happen in a future rampage. Uh, and so what they've done, I believe we found out tonight, they are going to slide the Women's Casino Battle Royal onto the all out card. And they also announced on the buy-in show an eight-man tag that involves uh, the Hardy family office. Uh, up against uh, Lucha Express and company. So a little shuffling going on. Uh, not not the first time we've seen travel issues come into play, but again, with, with the day and age we live in, you can't, you know, can't avoid yeah. it. Yeah, didn't the U.K. just announce travel restrictions with the United States again? Uh, so I, I think that uh, that probably is what's what's at play here with Pac. For sure. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into Dynamite here. Again, coming from Chicago, as they have the residency in Chicago for the rest of the week. 100th episode as... We mentioned off the top here, and we kick it off with FTR up against Santana and Ortiz. Uh, good tag match to start it off. Uh, and at, at the end of the day, though, Santana and Ortiz do get the win. So FTR back on TV, but um, not going over. But, you know, I, I wasn't so much surprised by this. I thought Santana and Ortiz, given the momentum they've had, it just kind of fit. FTR, as we said, has been you know had some injuries. Uh, but, Chuck, uh, how did this opening tag match sit with you uh, in terms of entertainment value and the booking decision? I absolutely love it. Uh, I love Santana and Ortiz. I think that they are getting better and better and better. And I could not help but think to myself as I'm watching this match, how much AEW makes me like tag team wrestling and still shows what tag team wrestling can be as opposed to what we see on other programming where they just slap two random people together every single week, call them a tag team and just see what the hell happens. You know, this is tag team wrestling as it should be. I appreciated the hell out of this match. And uh, as a matter of fact, if they were to do a full pay-per-view, I will, I will go so far as to say this. If AEW were to do a full pay-per-view of just tag matches i would actually be interested in watching that and i never thought given the past 20 years of booking that i would say anything close to that yeah uh, do you guys i don't know if you notice ftr they their tights were paying tribute to the midnight express you know obviously bobby eaton passed away recently so i thought that was that was really cool. There, Bernie DC absolutely loved FTR. Got to pay tribute to Bobby Eaton tonight. The Midnight Express tight. Their first chance to do so since Eaton's passing. So, I agree with you. I thought this match was awesome. Uh, really hot start to the show. I, I was, you know, again, we were talking about FTR and the Young Bucks. I, I want to see them come back to that with the crowd. Granted, they're both heels right now. But you, st- you could still do it. And... Uh, I was hoping that FTR got the win here so they could kind of start heading in that direction, but that didn't happen. But outside of that, I thought this this match was uh, really, really good. Good match. I got to disagree with you, Chuck. I do not want a full pay-per-view of tag team. I appreciate appreciate the art of tag team wrestling. And and in fact, actually, FTR comes to mind. I can remember, I think it was a takeover in Dallas. Um, Was it them them versus Gable and and, um, Jason Jordan, maybe? American Alpha. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what it was. I mean, when you see tag wrestling done really well, it is fun. When, you, when, you're, when you're playing with the hot tags and the cutoffs and, the, and what the ref misses and doesn't, 
The problem is, though, that, that's still that's still a flavor. And I think if you put it through the whole night, the flavor loses its taste. Also, the way AEW does it, every tag match is kind of like just a tornado tag. And I think that gets old after, you know, uh, a couple matches. So, What about a one-night tag tournament? And it doesn't have to be an eight-hour pay-per-view. You can, they are very good at fitting things into a two, two-and-a-half-hour window. No, no. The pay-per-views are like, they're longer. The The main card is usually close to four hours. And, and then you got the buy the buy-in. So it, it, if, it, if, it, it, if TNT, if TNT, if, if AEW uh, continues to gain favor with TNT and, and bringing them good viewership and growing, if they ever get to that, that's that, that uh, leisurely spot that Raw used to have, uh, I guess, on the Bonnie Hammer USA days when Raw, especially if the Rock was coming around and you could just go. Yeah, to eleven ten, maybe eleven fifteen, eleven twenty. If they ever get that cushion, wherever whatever's on after them can just be bumped and slid. AEW will be over booking the shit out of the show, and it won't be going <laughs> off until because I mean, it, it, the fact they have to go off and go to commercial, and they have to be off the air in time for the TNT movie at ten o'clock Eastern time. That is the only thing that keeps them in line because otherwise, they want to. They want so much to be in every segment. They will have. I mean, Kenny Omega is probably still in the ring right now in the cage, talking shit, kicking people. Oh, <laughs> there's still the post. The there's still ended. post show stuff going on. Nick <laughs> See, is Nick is at the show. It. I love the way that the show ended tonight, but we can talk about that in a little bit. I just yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah, they. Uh... <laughs> so the point to Rush, the pay per views just go and go and go because they <laughs> they can. All right, uh, we got a uh, "Don't Tread on Me" five dollar super sticker. Thank, Thank you there. And uh, we had one other one here. Where'd it go? There it is. Uh, JJ Smith, uh, $2. Uh, Santana and Ortiz win the tag belts at Arthur Ashe. Uh, well, it is in Queens, so there's an interesting... Uh, they're building... They, they are from New York City, correct? Yes, they yeah. are. There could be something to that. If, if this is... If this was WWE booking, uh, the fact that one of the Bucks pinned... Who, who, who did they pin? Um... Uh, to win the match at the end. Phoenix. They pin Phoenix. So that would usually mean that, you know, uh, the Lucha Brothers are winning on Sunday. In WWE, that's always how it was. Whoever is left standing at the end, uh, they they lose at the pay-per-view. But I, I don't know if I necessarily see that happening, though. But um, I, I'm actually predicting that the Bucks lose this Sunday. But it's not as cut and dry with AEW as as WWE. Um, Ricky says, Ricky Z says, remember, Justin, Dynamite has moved to TBS next year. Is that right? And Rampage. Mm-hmm. They both moved to TBS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised what? they didn't just start Rampage off of TBS instead of having to move two shows. What does, uh, does TBS have anything on at 10 Eastern? Like, do they have anything that they have to get to? No, because TNT, you know, because you have all those weeks and weeks of NBA uh, preempting them. So this way... They won't have to do it, so it's a it's a little more favorable. They're they're in the same number of homes, pretty much. I think TBS is in slightly more, but um, yeah. I and and the fact that they're both moving, I would have just started Rampage right off the bat, and then you don't have those couple weeks of people needing to refine it and resetting their DVRs. Yeah, you know what? Keep talking, boys. I'm going to pull up the TBS schedule for Wednesdays and see what they have cooking. I'd be a big fan if AEW wants to uh, incorporate TBS and bring back dinner and a movie. I used to love that. Remember TBS dinner in a movie? Uh, you know, I was always always a fan of that one. Yeah, it's uh, just, I mean, really, TBS is, and TNT, outside of, like, comedy reruns and 
and it, you know TNTS Sports. Outside of that, there's not really much strong on it, either network. You know, if you TBS out, gets baseball though too. Right? Yeah, that's what I mean. Sports and yeah. uh, just sports uh, and reality shows, and, and that's pretty much what cable is, and that's why. You see wrestling dominating. All the big scripted shows now, most most of them go to streaming. So at 10 o'clock next Wednesday night is a rerun of The Big Bang Theory. So I would suspect that that could be pushed. That's hey, 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 hey. you don't push Kaylee Cuoco. But we're not, we're not in the fall season yet either. Yeah. Is that like the regular scheduled? I mean, that's September 8th. Let's see if I can get to Because the, the premieres all start later this month. I don't have the 15th just yet. There is a new episode of Full Frontal with Samantha somebody. Samantha B Samantha at 1030. B. That's She's like a daily fun. show kind of show right you could yeah. bump that to 11 <laughs> i like how we're i like how we're playing turner or we're playing uh, executive, <laughs> turner executive <laughs> board meeting here <laughs> give me a uh, dinner and a movie uh, give eric two hours again on monday night <laughs> all right all right let's get back to cm punk right that's what we have to do cm punk in-ring promo uh, back out in Chicago here, uh, he notes how it's been seven years since he's had an in-ring match. How you know this this could be the end this Sunday. You know he's soaking in these pops because it's been seven years. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but whatever he does, he promises that however many matches he has, every time he laces up his boots, he's going to have fun and give it his all. And then uh, kind of as he's in mid sentence, we see Daniel Garcia and 2.0. They come sliding into the ring, unannounced, no music, and they are beating down on Punk. This is the first time we've seen Punk get physical. Uh, in a ring, being on the defensive, on the on the on the receiving end of things, uh, who, would, now, who would have thought that the first time we see that it's with two point and Daniel Garcia, right, <laughs> right now. Good. No, nobody had that in their bingo card. Nope. <laughs> um, then Darby and Sting come out. They make the save, help even even things up. Uh, pretty cool moment. All three babyfaces hit their finishing moves. Uh, one, two, three in sequence on the uh, heels. Uh, Sting then grabs a mic. Uh, he says he's always wanted to share a ring. Some mad respect to CM Punk. Uh, and then Sting proceeds to explain, as we mentioned earlier, that he is going to uh, take himself out of the traffic. He is going to uh, not be ringside for the match at all out between Darby and Punk, uh, who do give a little, they get a little stare down. They get a little, you know, Darby starts to, or Punk starts to take his jacket off. We start to, you know, hey, we're going to fight on Sunday. We're going to, we're going to take each other to the limit. Um, so I, you know, I'll, I'll just throw this to Raj. You know, I, I, I like the fact that AEW is at least keeping you on their toes. You know, we, this is the third time we've seen Punk come out to the ring. Uh, of course, they could just keep the redundancy and just let him say a few things and get a cheap pop. But no, they 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 got some physicality in there, and I, which I didn't expect, and they didn't promote, which I liked. That I liked that they didn't promote like Punk's going to have a stare down with somebody, so you you know, or we're going to have a contract signing. I liked that it kind of was an element of surprise. Yeah, it was good that they did something because I felt like they needed to have Punk and and Darby face to face, you know, on this episode, and, and this was the way they they got to it. I liked the segment; it was really cool seeing Sting and CM Punk in the same ring. You know, that was something a year ago I I would have never thought I'd see like those two in the same ring together. So that was that was neat. Um, yeah, and it really hit home uh, their match again. I don't buy that Punk thinks this this could be his last match or that they are really, you know, they were really heated when they had the stare down. And that's, again, where I kind of feel like maybe another opponent. But um, I thought the segment was good. Chuck? 
Yeah, yeah, I really liked it too. You know, I was really glad that they didn't just do that handshake between the two um, after they cleared house. I thought that that was that was cool. So there was still some tension between the two of them, as you said. You know, Darby took the jacket off; he was ready to scrap. You know, and so when you have that babyface babyface matchup, a lot of times it will be all hugs and hand pounds, and then supposedly, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, uh, check your friendship when the bell rings and still have an extraordinary match. No, these guys actually had some tension beforehand i thought that this was some really good storytelling on everyone's part that was involved in this segment so two thumbs up for this so obviously we know for punk to come back obviously the money had to be right and he also had to be uh creatively satisfied he's not going to have hulk hogan wcw creative control but he's certainly not going to just you know he's going to have an input i have to think raj that darby was in some ways, a handpick that Punk's, you know, and, and I believe what Punk has said. If I, if 15 year old CM Punk, would, that Darby would have been my favorite wrestler. So I believe in Punk actually saying, here's a guy that I've never worked with. I don't, you know, I don't want to work against the WWE guy that I've already done. Like, I believe in him wanting to work with a Darby Allen. How much convincing do you think Tony Khan had to do to him, though, to say, look, as much as you might want to put him over, you're winning. You're back. I need you to win. We're going to build you up. Like, I mean, do you think there's been any struggle or any, any conversation at all of, well, let me put the guy over? I don't think so. I think Punk understands business. It's his first match back in seven years in Chicago. Uh, it would just be – no, people aren't going to boo him in Chicago uh, regardless. And the money is in him being strong and booking him with your top guys, your Kenny Omegas. uh uh, your MJF guys like that, and and having him lose right off the, you, you know, they they book their top talent um, in a way that you would if you're writing a sports book. You you don't have them just losing random matches here and there. You, Kenny Omega hasn't been pinned except for that one match to Christian, uh, you know, in like a year. Uh, MJF has only lost once. Um, you know, the, the the top guys, the guys that they have real plans for, Moxley's only lost a handful, you know, a few times. They protect him, and, and the wins and losses do matter. There's no way that they would have Punk lose that first match. Or I don't see Punk losing anytime soon. Chuck, we see the uh, the pretty stacked card that is all out. Knowing what we know this card is, we know it's in Chicago. Is there any case for any other match? Like, does CM Punk end the night? Or does MJF versus Jericho end the night? Does Kenny Omega, like, what do you see sending the, the crowd home? I mean, it, I think that you have to send the crowd home with the CM Punk win at the end. The only other match that I could see going on last would be Omega and, and Christian. Um, and, and that's that's it, just because you're talking about a title match there. But I think that you could kind of break from that tradition to have the championship match last. I think that you slide CM Punk and Darby Allin into the main event slot have CM Punk go over, everybody wins, it gets a ton of press, everybody's talking about it, and you get a nice ratings bump on Wednesday night for Dynamite. That, to me, just seems like actually, Justin, the only, only scenario that makes sense. I think that it would be a huge mistake if they were to be the semi-main. I got a big wrench to throw in your plans, because first off, the reason why I think Punk and Darby, a week ago, why I was thinking it would be on before, is because then you have Omega versus Cage on last. Omega wins. Punk comes out at the end, lays out Omega, poses with the belt. Chicago crowd's going crazy, and that leads you to your next big program. But now, Daniel Bryan supposedly is supposed to be debuting this Sunday at All Out. And if he's debuting, wouldn't you want him at the end of the show? 
And if he's if he's at the end of the show, I don't see you have him in there with Punk because the fans love both guys. I think you have him in there with Omega. Mm. I, I, see, I see. I'm gonna, I agree and disagree with you, Raj. Uh, I agree with the fact that if Dana Bryan's, you know, we, we rumored for a while maybe it would be in Arthur Ashe. Now, if it's going to be at All Out, if that's going to happen, I agree. You really can't put him in the middle of the show, uh, Dana Bryan appearance, or I guess we need to start saying Bryan Danielson. You can't put that in the middle of the show and then have four matches after that. I, it, that just doesn't work. But I could also see a scenario, Raj, where you put Punk on last because that's what people that that that's the biggest thing of why people are probably buying this hate review. So you want them to hang on to the end. You put Punk on last. You get a great match with he and 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 Darby. Some kind of goo goo and gaga happens after the fact. I mean, again, we have 3.0 or 2.0, whatever they are. Daniel Garcia. We have different, and you can bring some new heels. You can empty some, start to empty some of the locker room. You could have some rain on the CM Punk Chicago parade, and then a Daniel Bryan is a a savior, and you can go off just with that. That doesn't mean that now that Daniel Bryan and CM Punk now have to be the, the that doesn't that's not the first feud or they're not like an alliance, but it could just be a way to interrupt to say Bryan's here. Again, then tune in Wednesday to hear hear why he's here, and then he goes off and does his own thing, Omega or whatever else may be. So I think that's how you you could end with Brian and Punk, and what a moment that would be. Yeah, you you could definitely do that. I, I like that idea as long as I feel like you have to have stronger heels. Like it almost has to be like yeah. MJ, you know, like Ever Rise, and yeah, and, and that's no offense to those guys, but they were just in NXT a few months ago, you know, and couldn't get TV time on NXT, and they're right. getting destroyed week in and week out on well, AEW. But let's let's combine let's combine all of our booking then. Punk wins, and again, trying to rain on his parade is here comes an MJF who uh, or an MJ, uh, here or comes Omega. A here comes an Omega who has retained his title, and that should be the headline. Who do you think you are? This is my company. You know, uh, Nakazawa, all the all the numbers trying to out out outnumber, and then here comes Daniel Bryan. Uh, there we go. I mean, I, I think that would that would buy in uh, for everybody. So yeah, uh, completely opposite to that, Chuck is JJ <laughs> Smith two dollar super chat saying, think a heel Bryan will be leading Daniel yeah. Garcia two point JJ. If you think that you can book <laughs> Daniel Bryan to be a heel come into AEW, I think you need to put your pen down, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not yeah. happening. Not happening. <laughs> no. No. Oh, I uh, that's uh no. That, 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 no. That's a reach. No. Sam Austin. What do you make of the JR rumors? He seems to be fluffing names and lines quite often now. It looked like he was almost in tears. When introducing Jericho, I'm guessing the rumors uh, that maybe he's going to scale back on his commentary. Is that the rumor here? Yeah, yeah. Like he'll still be involved, but um, yeah, scaling back, maybe not being a weekly commentator. And they've kind of teed it up for that possibility to happen with Jericho. So we'll, we'll know if Jericho loses and he replaces JR on commentary. We'll, we'll know that next week. Uh, you know, there, you know, there were a couple places that reported this and, um, it was something that had been floating around uh, in the last week, so it it sounds very possible. It's it's plausible. But Tony Khan Tony Khan denied it. End. What's that? It just seems like such an abrupt end for Jericho. Um, but you know, it's it's his career. If he chooses to end it here, I mean, God bless him, and and not having some long drawn out kind of going away party. But I mean, it, it makes sense, man. I, I don't know. Like well, he, I, I'm still not. I could see. Yet. I could see Jim. I could see Jr. taking himself off the weekly grind of, of the TV shows, but doing you know doing some special sit downs on the weekly shows that they can pre tape. But I could see him being being 
the voice for the pay-per-views. Yeah. Because you know. he did seem awfully emotional there. And uh, and Jericho, you know, he is 51 years old. Um, you know, you in, in the past when he has left, it wasn't some long, drawn-out thing. He would just leave. And and there were times when he left, he didn't know when he would come back or or if he was going to come back to the company, you know, with WWE. And um, so who knows? I mean, I, I like the fact that they had put Jericho on the Rampage commentary team because now it does create that doubt because before that you'd be like, ah, no, Jericho's going to win. But by the fact that the fact that they had already done that, they had kind of put him in that position to take over that commentary role. Um, it, it does make the ending a lot more in doubt. So I think it was really, uh, it, it's way more intriguing than it normally would be. All right. So it seems so final because AEW doesn't come off of those stipulations. If they say that man is done in the ring there, he's done in the ring there. So that is still what kind of gives me a little bit of pause. Would I be shocked? No. Either way. Yeah. I mean, I, and look, I'll, I'll jump around here. We'll, we'll go, go out of order since we're touching on this. So, you know, we get an MJF sit down, which was a phenomenal promo, by the way. Check it out if you, if you didn't see it live. And then we do get later Jim Ross. Uh, amazingly, his first in-ring interview ever in AEW. Can't believe that's actually the case. Hundred episodes, and he's this is the first one. Yeah, and, you know, and Jericho's talking about you know how he started his career, his main event career in Chicago. Of course, debuting with WWE in '99. Um, you know, calls MJF a piece of shit. You know, talk about all the similar characteristics the two of them have, uh, and he can't just li- he can't live with the fact that J- MJF has three wins over him. And again, if he loses, he's done wrestling. And he says, "I'll go up to that commentary desk and I'll do it full time." I think it's great the way they're doing this. Like they're not trying to say if Jericho loses, he's leaving AEW because we all know he's not leaving AEW. He's still got another year and a half on his contract, and that's a very non. It's just you're not going to believe that. But him, but them selling. If I lose, I'm just going to go to commentary. Like Raja said, he, we've seen that happen. It makes this a little bit more unpredictable. It makes it a little bit more believable that there's a chance that Jericho could lose, and certainly they have protected the hell out of MJF. So if anybody is going to retire Jericho, it would be an MJF. But all that said, because he does have a still a year and change on his deal, I just can't see him. He still is the most valuable to the company being able to get out there and be in a big marquee match. I, I could see after this current deal is up in January of 23, him being done. I could see them doing the retirement deal somewhere near that point, but I just can't buy into it right now. I could see him going away temporarily for Fozzie or something else, but I just can't see him hanging the boots up just yet. And Chuck, you're right. AEW doesn't mess around these stipulations, so I don't think they're going to troll us here with this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at some point they're going to have to uh, roll back on the Hangman Page you know, stipulation, though, where he, you know he said he he won't get a title shot if if he lost that match, and he did. So, you know, a, a few weeks ago with when they had the Dark Order versus the Elite, so. I, they haven't yet, but that is one I would think they would have to find a way to kind of go back on. We'll, we'll, we'll see, though. Uh, we did miss one super chat. Uh, Kyla mixing during the cage beatdown, I was thinking, what does Brian come out to uh, for music? Tony Khan has shown that he's not afraid to pay for the royalties. I mean, and, and the the music that Brian used in WWE was music that's um, it's royalty the flight free. Of, the flight of the Valkyries. Right. He yeah. could use that in AEW, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's in the public domain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we go. So, yeah, so he could come out to that old theme. Sorry, Kayla, that I missed your uh, chat there. All right, so, yeah, MJF and Jericho both, uh, you know, we got to sit down. We got to live with um, Jericho in the ring, so that's their their uh, go-home sell for this match here. Uh, again, another match you can make a case for as a last go-on last, but I, I, I think, again, ending the show with it. With I mean, again, if you end it with an MJF heel winning, 
Again, I don't think it's going to happen. Again, cue a Dan O'Brien. I, you know, I don't know. A lot of fantasy booking to be done. All right, we get Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans. Uh, this ended. Uh, this match actually ended. I think this is one of the first ones they've done. Ended while they were in picture-in-picture in commercial. They just barely missed coming back in time. But by the time we did come back, uh, Orange Cassidy did roll up the uh, small package uh, cradle on Jack Evans. So, you know, gives you a reason to make sure you don't tune out on that picture-in-picture. Picture. And then we see the, uh, the Hardy... Uh, Hardy comes out and attacks Orange Cassidy, and then the best friends come out to try to even uh, up that, and then here comes the rest of the HFO out to attack it. Numbers, and then out comes Jurassic Express. Are you keeping score? Um, so this this actually is going to lead into what they announced later on the as, as a buy-in uh, pre-show match. Chuck, I am a huge Matt Hardy guy. I'm a fan of him. I've got the privilege of working with him. I'm a huge, huge fan. All that being said, I, I'm just I can't get into the Hardy family office. This, this just feels like this just feels like we literally threw darts against the wall of who we're just going to have be associated with him. No, and I'm glad that you said that because now I'm realizing I'm not the only one that feels this way, right? I'm not Debbie Downer when it comes to this this faction. Uh, it does nothing for me. It's fallen flat since the beginning. And I do hope that we see the evolution of Matt Hardy continue um, in the very near future and move on to something different. I'll tell you the thing, though, that, that kind of made me laugh here. Uh, a couple of things. One, did you see when Jungle Boy uh, ran down to the ring and he slid? He damn near slid out the other side of the ring. This was like a slip and slide kind of slide. Like, I have never seen anybody slide into the ring that far. That was impressive. Uh, number two, my question to you guys is this. Was it a production snafu that they had the finish of the match while they were still in break with the picture in picture? Or was it really designed to train fans to stay tuned and not channel surf during the commercial break? What do you think, Raj? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I will be right back. I'm just talk, uh, Raj. checking out. Sorry. Justin, what sorry do you think? That. Was this the production snafu? <laughs> uh, whoops. Oh, wait. There we go. Hey, Justin. He's kicking me off. Uh, I don't think it was. I don't think it was the the truck's fault. I think they went to commercial and they went to commercial and they got to then fill that. If it's a two minute or three minute block, whatever it is, they got to run those commercials. They can't just cut the advertiser short. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm saying, I, like, I, was there a miscommunication? I, I think. Well, I, I I don't I don't know if it was planned. If that's what you're getting, I don't think it was planned because it was so close. I mean, it was a matter of seconds. I think it was AEW does not. Uh, they are not as meticulous. If if you watch WWE, whenever WWE has matches, and there's it's most of the matches anymore. Whenever they have matches, they're going to go multiple segments. I mean, they're going to have a commercial in between. They always they have a they have a name for it. they have like a, they have a they have a stopping point. They'll they'll do something they'll do something. And we'll usually see the babyface gets the heel out and the heels in peril on the outside, and the commentators have a nice hook to send you to break and come back and see if they can recover or stay on top, whatever. They kind of design, you know, they, they design it pretty well, almost too well sometimes. AEW doesn't seem to do that. AEW will cut to break when a guy's still applying an offensive maneuver. They don't, you know, they don't micromanage the matches and, 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 the, and, 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 and such. So I, I think it was more of the guys knew they'd be cutting to break in their match. Um, they probably just figured that they had a little bit more to give and that they would be back in time to do this small package roll up. And they just didn't. I think it was just a miscue of two guys who, let's be honest, uh, they both are veterans. Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans are veterans in the wrestling business. They are not veterans wrestling on live TV. Mm. So I think that uh, I think that's just what that was. You know, they knew they had a break. Maybe they thought the break happened a little bit earlier. They usually get informed when they're at the break. And maybe they just again just lost a little track of how much time they needed to continue to fill before you do. 
you know, it's not like it's again, it's not like it's a long drawn out finish where you're doing the setup move and then you're posing for the big finish. It was a it was a small package roll up, so it's an out of nowhere finish. So once you're there, you got to do it. So I think it was just I think the, I think the workers just needed to give a little bit more time to fill before they did that. I don't think that's what the goal was. Um, but that said, you know. Yeah, re regardless, I mean, like thumbing through Twitter, it didn't seem like anybody seemed to mind that much either. It seemed like they were all like, oh, that was pretty cool. It happened in picture in picture, right? So, you know, trains me to stay here during the commercial break. And so that's why I was asking that question. I was like, yeah, maybe that was the intent there. But you're right. I mean, we're talking about a matter of seconds. I think that, Justin, though, if this becomes a habit, you see that with other talent, then you might have a few gripes. But as a one-off, not that big of a deal. You know, and I was critical of this, uh, the late Brody Lee and his, and his, um, his, I believe it was the dog collar match with Cody. They did a huge spot, a huge table spot during the commercial, during the picture in picture. And I remember coming on this podcast and I kind of bitched about it. I was like, I, I just, I thought that that was a, you know, you're putting your body on the line for this, for a big spot like this. Just, I, I just didn't agree with it. And I think, uh, I think we would later then find out that like, I think Brody or Cody or Tony or all of them, like that was an, that they did that on purpose. They wanted there to be a big moment that kind of like made you like understand, like watch this match. We were giving you the picture and picture for a reason. Keep watching. Don't just, you know, tune out, uh, you know, and again, philosophical debate you can have, uh, you know, about television and, you know, you, you've worked in a Chuck. I mean, th th there's a lot yeah. of debate you can have. Is that the right move? But hey, know. look who's back. Hey, hey. So were, were you guys talking about Orange Cassidy getting the win during picture in picture? Right. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure that was planned. You know, I actually like that because it gives the feeling like you got to stick through the picture in picture because the finish could happen at any time. I almost, I almost wish they could do that more often. And, and another thing, Justin, to kind of what you mentioned earlier about if AEW could have an overrun. I kind of wish they did because you kind of know when the finish of a match is coming. Because um, you know, like, oh, there's five minutes of the show left. It's going to end soon. And if they did have an overrun, that it could be an unpredictable overrun. Like they, they had a free 15 minutes. They could end any time. Uh, then you don't know when the finish of the match is coming. And, I, and I, 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 So anyway, I kind of like moments like that because it makes it feel more unpredictable. Well, we'll see if uh, we'll see what the how the numbers come out. We'll see if what the reaction is and if we see more of it. Um, we get an Eddie Kingston promo, uh, a, a promo from him pre-tape, and then a pre quick pre-tape of Miro. This was quick, hard-hitting, inside of a minute of them promoting their TNT title match that's going to take place this Sunday. And I really dug this, Eddie Kingston. I'm not going to try to I'm not going to try to reenact it. Just again, if you missed it, if you, if you're using us as the hey, what do I need to go back and watch? I'm telling you to go fast forward and get to this part, Eddie Kingston. Referencing how you know Miro refers to himself as God's favorite champion, and uh, you know you're gonna, you know, you're not gonna be champion anymore, and, and if and if you can live through what I'm gonna put you through, you can go to your God's heaven. I mean, but it just hit it on the mark, and then Miro had a quick response of the words of the Redeemer, mentioned his wife again, intent. Um, I was more hyped for this match after watching the 60 second promo, Chuck. I don't know what you felt, but I was like, okay, and I'm not, and I haven't been the biggest Eddie Kingston fan. But I was into this. Yes, man. And this goes back to what I was saying about how AEW can fit so much into sh such a short amount of time, right? You're talking about two minutes of TV time here. And look at like this creating this epic 120 seconds, right? It's fantastic. I love Eddie Kingston on the mic. I love the fact that he was kept to one minute. Why? 
it's not that I couldn't listen to him talk for 10 minutes. It's that what he put in that one minute, every single word mattered. And he freaking nailed it. And then you've got Miro, who's just been on this roll with his promos now. And, and, and he follows it up, man. I'm with you. Like, you don't need to have those two guys in the ring doing a contract signing or a stare down to get people hyped for a match. You accomplish something far better than any contract signing in the span of two freaking minutes. I loved everything about this. Yeah. So, uh, TNT title match. Uh, Raj, uh, is Miro going to remain TNT champion or does Eddie Kingston get the, get the nod? I, th- I think Miro wins. I feel like it's still too soon. Um, and he's been so dominant. I, I could almost see Eddie Kingston winning it in New York, like do, doing a title change at Arthur Ashe. That would be a, a cool place to do it, and it, in front of the hometown crowd. So even if uh, they, they're going to end up with Eddie Kingston winning the title, I wouldn't do it here. I'd do it at Arthur Ashe. You, I feel like they need a big moment for that show. Yep, yep. Especially if they're bringing uh, Brian Danielson in on Sunday as opposed to New York. Why not have that? And then you give Santana and Ortiz. A uh, big win there as well. I think that, yeah, man, go with the homers. Yeah. Well, there's no shortage of names potentially coming to AEW, so they can they can <laughs> they can tee them up uh, for for some of these shows. We'll we'll get to more of that. All right, we get Powerhouse Hobbs. He's coming to the ring for his match against Brian Cage. Brian Cage attacks him though. Of course, trying to get a little uh, revenge after last time. I believe it was in the Austin show uh, that Brian Cage had to go up against his former. Uh, teammates we get a big brawl before the bell bell eventually does ring get this match here and ultimately though with hook and some distraction and ricky starks with the ftw title knocking out uh, brian cage powerhouse hobbs and team taz stands tall again the team taz stuff they they've been trying and trying with this this feels like it's been going on since the inception of dynamite i know i'm exaggerating but it does feel like that it's been going on since the start of the pandemic Again, I'm just not bought into it. It's, I just, there's no real momentum. I don't feel like anybody's gotten – Ricky Starks is good, but I don't feel like anybody's been truly elevated out of this. Yeah, If there was one segment on the show tonight that fell flat, this is it. And I think that, Justin, to your point, it's been flat for a very long time. At this point, it's kind of like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It's never going to fit. I think that it's time to kind of take them off TV, you know, revamp these guys a little bit and, and just leave Taz on commentary where he shines so well. But this whole Team Taz gimmick is just – there's a lot missing with it. It's not just one thing. There is just a whole heck of a lot that is missing with it. Raj, what's your take? I, I agree. I think Ricky Starks has has been elevated some, but I think it's time for him to move on. Um, it, it does does feel like they're running in place right now. And so, yeah, I think Starks should move on. Uh, Will Hobbs, I feel like maybe you keep Taz on for as Will Hobbs' manager just because I feel like he could use a mouthpiece. But, yeah, the Team Taz group is just kind of, eh, I think Teams has has been a thing for as long as it's been on AEW Prime Time Real Estate TV because Tony Khan is a well-documented ECW original mark. I think oh, he loves his ECW. Taz is an is a, is an asset to have, as we said, good on commentary and I, yeah, I agree. Maybe put him with put him with somebody, but I don't this this whole stable isn't really just again not just not clicking. So, yeah. Uh, pretty cool Malachi Black pre-tape promo. He talks about how he was swift in his justice to Cody, to Arn, to Brock. Brock Anderson, of course. But Lee Johnson, he will not be swift. He's going to make, he's going to torture you uh, this Friday on Rampage. Rod, I love this. 
Hey, I thought it was great. But if I'm like Lee, I'd be like, what did I do? Why me? Why, why get it worse than those other guys? Um, poor, well, because Lee Johnson, Lee Johnson came out as as Malachi was trying to, you know, give the business to Arn. You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't do that to Malachi. I was scared for Lee, man. Malachi's a hell of a promo. Like that was that was some scary stuff. Talking about putting the coins on his eyes and sending him to Hades. Some dark shit. Pay the toll. <laughs> right, it, was so yeah. good. it was so good, man. I love it. But look, you got to do something to make people care about this match. You, you know, Lee Johnson is not Cody. He's not even Brock Anderson who gets the rub from his dad. Lee Johnson is still just Lee Johnson making his way up the ladder. So, yeah, you, you need to do something to up the value of this match. So a hell of a promo did that. Is this going to be the biggest match of the night? Absolutely not. But it did get me invested, and Malachi Black is just another one of those guys that has just been hitting grand slams with the mic recently. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, because everyone everyone knew Malachi Black was going to win this match, but after that promo, you're like, damn, what's he going to do to him? You know, after what's he, what he's already done to these other guys. Jeez. Got to make him pay tolls. And... Yeah, is he really going to put coins on his eyes? Dude, it's so solid. It's, it's kind of so like solid. the Jake the Snake gimmick, except with coins. That could be cool. We don't pay no tolls, and we don't need no rolls. All right, up next, we get uh, QT Marshall and the members of the factory. They're in the ring. They call out Paul White. They all dogpile in the corner on Paul White. Paul White pushes them off. He begins to swat all of them. Out comes the gun club, uh, Billy and two sons. They just try to even it out a little bit. And then just when you think all is fine, Billy Gunn takes the chair and stabs Paul White in the back. That's right. Somebody turned heel, and it wasn't Paul White. <laughs> it was Billy Gunn and the Gun, the Gun Club, and uh, QT selling like he has no idea, uh, and this is all Gun Club on their own motivations. And then QT comes in and with a fallen and beaten down Paul White hits a diamond cutter and stands tall over top of him. Chuck, uh, are you excited for Paul White and his AEW in ring debut? Uh, sure, why not? Um, I you know what I, what I took away from this was that. You know, it's a little bit of a swerve. You didn't really expect that when you turned on the TV tonight. Does it make you get sympathy for Paul White? Absolutely, it did. And I think that he did a fantastic job of actually selling this. Because if you go back and you rewatch the segment, I want you to pay close attention to his facials, okay? Because not only did he look like he was in pain, he looked like he was genuinely sad. Like he was expecting to go out after the show and have some beers with Billy Gunn, and now here's his friend beating him with a chair. Wouldn't that also make you a little misty-eyed? It sure did for Paul White. So not that bad of a segment. Am I still sold on where this is going? Not 100%, but the facials were on point, so... That's why I didn't mind this too much. Yeah, you know what? I I, I kind of liked it just because, you know, with Paul White and QT Marshall. Uh, did, does anyone think that QT is winning, at least before tonight? I, I don't think. Justin, I'm guessing you didn't. Um, but this puts a little bit of doubt now. Like, is, is he injured? Is this going to lead to something where he loses and Billy Gunn attacks again and he comes after Billy Gunn? And QT gets the win, so it, it was unexpected, um, and I like the I like the, I the that ending, and and it does make the the match a little more intriguing. Plus, I thought this segment was kind of dying a slow death before this. Uh, you know, AEW fans they're really loyal, and they're not going to boo something or say you know say it's boring or anything. Um, 
if they don't like it, they just kind of get quiet. And they were kind of quiet for a lot of the segment. And then it changed towards the end. AEW could slap an AEW's fan's mother in the face. <laughs> AEW fan would just go, oh, well, I guess she was being a little loud. Yeah. <laughs> or that was awesome. <laughs> oh, JJ Smith, $2. Gun Club has been teasing heel turn on Elevation. Uh, all right. Uh, I admit I don't watch every minute of Elevation, so thank you for, for that one, JJ. Jax Callens, 499. Did Inner Circle and MJF stable start fading out? Everyone going their own way, which I don't mind at all. If so, I mean the Pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. You meant thinking about the Pinnacle. Yeah, they haven't been together in a in a pretty much since Cash Wheeler left, right? I mean, well, they did something. We see Wardlow with Spears, right? And then like, and they've they've teased issues with Wardlow and MJF and some backstage. Yeah, but yeah, all of them in one has not been a deal right now. And I think part of that's just because FTR, you know, they've been off TV because of Cash Wheeler's injury. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we see uh, again Gun Club going heel. All right. So uh, Britt had sent a uh, Britt Baker had sent a tweet out about she had some news about free agency about a free agent deal. Tony or, uh, Tony Schiavone leaves the commentary desk, goes backstage. Uh, Britt's got Jamie Hader there and Rebel and 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 she announces that hey, she's the big signing. She has signed a new deal. She has got Tony Khan to ink a brand new deal. New long-term contract. Britt Baker's not going anywhere. That's the big news. And she also got to force Tony's hand in order to get that deal signed where she gets to make a match. So Chris Statlander's going to have to go in a handicap match against Rebel and Jamie this Friday at Rampage ahead of Chris Statlander challenging Britt for the title Sunday at All Out. And, of course, uh, the whole thing here is a, is a fun trolling job of uh, rumors of free agents, most notably Brit's uh, real life boyfriend Adam Cole, uh, Raj. I have to imagine you thought the same thing I did with the way they presented this. You would only troll the topic the same way you trolled the best in the world topic weeks leading up to the United Center. You would only acknowledge the troll job if you knew that you could eventually deliver on the troll job, right? That's what that's what it seemed to me. Like you don't even remotely tease it. Well, but you know they'll tease stuff on BTE here and there where it's you don't. You know they they showed a Bray Wyatt action figure on BTE recently, and they, someone dressed in a Ric Flair robe. I think it was Kazarian. Uh, no, it wasn't Kazarian. It was Carl uh, Anderson. But yes, I, I agree. I, I think they just kind of planted that seed in there. I I think he's coming in, and uh, this was just their little tease for it. Yeah, and and I also think that they did a pretty good job of planting the seed for long term. Um... Uh, tension between uh, uh, Jamie and, and and Britt Baker there because if you see it's like yeah and if she wins the belt you know obviously it's going to stay with me you, you you know when the champ says something like that to somebody in their stable that down the line there's going to be some beef there so kudos to AEW again for planting the seed for some long term storytelling love that it's the little things that go so far it is the little things, as good Charlotte once said. All right, we're sticking with the uh, women's match. Penelope Ford versus Ty Conti. Uh, we see uh, uh, Ty wins after distraction by the bunny uh, backfires. And then ultimately, though, we, we they're now trying to beat down on Conti, Penelope, and, and Bunny. And here comes Anna Jay. She's back. Anna Jay uh, makes the post-match save. And uh, we come to find out they're all going to be in the Casino Battle Royal again that's been moved uh, to the main uh, card for this Sunday, a uh, pretty good women's match. This is the this is the only match of the night that got a this is awesome chant. 
Yeah, man, I I liked it. Uh, I I really did, man. Um, and and I do think that there's still some room for improvement overall with the AEW women's roster. Um, they could benefit from some veteran leadership. But you see something like this, and it kind of like goes to show that you know, with a little bit more time, a little bit more polish, you know, they they have all of the seeds in place uh, to make something really special eventually. So, uh, good stuff. I'm actually looking forward to the Casino Battle Royale here this year. Um. I, have have either one of you heard, are they planning any sort of big surprises with this one, or are they announcing all of the names ahead of time and this is it? Ruby, right? Ruby Riot is expected. That's it. That's it. That's it. And her name is uh, Ruby, Ruby Soho. Soho. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, this match, I actually thought it started off kind of sloppy. Like, I, I was like, ah, this, they're not, cl- they're not clicking well together, but then. At some point in the match, they just started clicking. And then I thought it turned into a, a damn good match. Like, by the end, I thought it was really good. And uh, they got the crowd, uh, you know, towards the end. And they were really going. Like Justin mentioned, that there was the This Is Awesome chant, which there wasn't one in the opening match, right? Like, it was just... This is the only match. We got This Is Awesome. And then, uh, you know, Punk, who hasn't even... He hadn't even done a spot. He got to this. He got the "you still got it" chant <laughs> right. when he's doubting himself. It's like we haven't even seen the guy run the ropes. Let's calm the f down. <laughs> it, it's like Chicago. You, you have these chant, you know, these predetermined chants that you gotta just get going at some point, regardless. But uh, yeah, I thought this match was really. I, I thought this match was good. You know, I said I don't want to be seventy six like Vince and adding uh, hours to my workload. I would like to be at some point in my career. Whether it's now at almost 34 or whether it's going to be at 76, I would like to hear a, you still got it. I would like to hear it from anybody who's willing to give it to me. Uh, more, <laughs> more women's action uh, backstage. We got a brawl going on in the backstage between Nyla Rose, Jade Cargill, and Thunder Rosa. So again, more uh, just chaos ensuing uh, as the women are all uh, uh, getting set to, like Braveheart, just converge in one big war. It's all hyping for the for the battle royale, baby. Who do you think should win this? I don't know because I don't see Britt losing this at any of the, the the gimmick here is you get a title match, right? I don't see Britt losing this at any time. I mean, you have some big money matches eventually down the line, and Britt Jade, Britt Ruby, if she's coming in. So I, I don't even know. Who, well, here, here's the risk, though, right? I can't see. If Ruby's debuting here, I can't see her not winning. I, I I hate it when people debut in a battle royale and they and they don't win. And I think that with this being the first female, the big name female acquisition from WWE, um, she should win here because it sends a message to the competitor. Um, but that also then would mean you would think that she would have to go over on Britt Baker. And I don't see Britt losing that title anytime soon. I think that this is some interesting booking, man. We were doing some fantasy chatter a little bit earlier. How the hell would you book this? I, I disagree, Chuck. It just if Ruby comes in, she does not have to win. That's a great thing about battle Royals, right? It's punch, kick, struggle in the corner. You're you lose by account of being thrown out of the ring. So it could easily be a situation of Ruby could go on a streak and eliminate several ladies, and then a, a lady who's already eliminated comes back in, does some dastardly stuff, and gets her out. I mean, you could easily get Ruby out, you know, detour, fork in the road to whatever her first feud's going to be, and it doesn't have to be her winning. So I, I actually think this is actually a good way to get Ruby in, not have her be a number one contender just yet, and just give her some something to do uh, because I, you, you're right. She, it, it, 
Britt's not losing it, so it just it makes no sense to sacrifice Ruby right now. Right, and that, and that's why I would I, the same thing with Jade Cargill. You don't want her losing to to Britt yet either. So I wouldn't have her winning. So it, it's got to be someone that can have a good TV match with her that that can lose. And you know, you got your Ty Conti, um, Hikaru Shida's in there. They haven't done that rematch. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Julia Hart. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know. Anyways. Labar still got it. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> Michael Lavars. Justin, you still got it. Clap, hey, clap, clap. Look at you fishing. Paying the money here. Jimmy Palenko. Question for Tony Khan for the AEW All Out Scrum. Oh, now we got somebody writing the questions for us. Why did this year's All Out card take so long to come together? Do you think lack of story heard it? Yeah, Jimmy, why don't you go ahead and ask Tony that? <laughs> See what his response is, Jimmy. Well, Nick will be at the... Uh... Nick will be at the scrum, so I'll, I'll make sure to pass that along. No, I mean, look, CM Punk and Darby was obviously uh, planned for a while. Um, it did seem like they were heading towards Omega and Adam Page, but Adam Page, his wife, got you know they're they're expecting to have their baby soon, and um, everything else. MJF and Jericho, that's clearly been the works for a while. Um, so, I mean, yeah. What, I mean, what are some of the other big ones? Um, uh, you got Britt Baker, Kate, Chris Dadley. Yeah. yeah, I guess a lot of the matches did seem to just fall together Mox the last couple and weeks. Moxley and, and Kojima, which... Eh. that's That's been, I think, and I know that the, the Japanese fan, the, the, the fans of the Japanese wrestling were going to, like, get mad. I, I, th- that was deflating. I just don't think... You got all out here. You're this big ass show, and John Moxley's one of your pivotal guys. I, I'm sorry, that's just not. It just does. There's so many other options you could have done here. Yeah. You could have John Moxley do an open. I'm doing an open challenge for this big all out show, and enter any into enter any rumor. In it. I don't know. Just this, this is not. I think what made it extra deflating was that Moxley had kind of called out Tanahashi you know, a few weeks ago. So it made it seem like they were going to Moxie and Tanahashi. And then, you know, uh, they got it with Kojima. Nah. Honest question. How big of a name is Kojima with the typical or the average wrestling fan, right? Not somebody who's watching us right now, but you know, the majority of people who are watching at home on Wednesday and Friday night, I would venture to say that only a small portion of them actually know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, and, and Jimmy following up. Look, look Jimmy, here, here, Jimmy's saying it's a fair question, Justin. I don't exactly have access to Tony Khan. <laughs> it is a fair question. Well, but 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 Jimmy, the reason why I'm kind of like mocking is, is like, yeah, yeah, you still have to ask the hard questions and like see what the response is, even if the response has no comment or it's a it's a um, an argumentative response. But at the same point, like Tony Khan's a pro- like he's not gonna he's not gonna say yeah, you know. This was a tough show to put together, and this wasn't our best. Like, he he's gonna immediately fight back at you of like all the reasons why it's a cool show and and what they have done for it. He's not gonna you know while he's more transparent than most anybody in the WWE circles are with their media call you know media access. He's not gonna give you the X's and O's of what happened behind the scenes and what might have caused booking pivots. So that's why I kind of laugh. Like I I I long since stopped. And Rod, I don't know if you ever did this. 
I long since stopped ever before the Triple H calls ever saying, hey, guys, what do you want to ask the Triple H? Because it's the most ridiculous questions that we're never going to ask Triple H because he's never going to answer them, honestly. Yeah. So stop. That's my point. Triple H, the answer is always, you know, it's a funny thing. We we get we come out here and then blah, 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 pivot, pivot, pivot. And then you have some answer to something you never asked. <laughs> it's very true. So true. That said, Triple H, if you're listening, <laughs> we like the media calls to resume. You know, yes. We kind of we kind of were sad the last one didn't happen. <laughs> um, well, because you know that the first question he's going to be asked is pretty much like WTF, man. Yeah. You know. Well, we we actually did ask that. At, he did uh, he did do a media thing at the the tryouts in Vegas. You don't speak bad about the boss and your father-in-law. Uh... I wonder. Well. we'll we can get to this after Dynamite. <laughs> no, but go ahead. Go ahead. is Triple H still going to be the the figurehead of NXT? Are they still going to do any media calls, or is that all out the window? You know, uh, Paul, Vince, and Bruce will run NXT. You got a lot of free time in your hands these days. What are you doing? Because you know, as much crap as we want to give Triple H about not fully, you know, directly ask, answering a question, at least he doesn't insult your intelligence either. Like if you're on an Impact call. You have to act like it's real. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like acting like, uh, you know, so and so really got beat down or, you know, these guys are really fighting. And it's just the most asinine questions. And whereas with Triple H, you can actually get to ask. Uh, and, you know, not treating like it's a real uh, thing that you're going into. And we, jo- and we joke about the, sorry, Chuck, and we joke about the severity of the situation right now of like this internal shift that's going on with WNXT. But again, I give credit to Triple H, Paul Levesque, that he knows some of the questions that are going to come. He might already know the prepared pivot he's going to give, but at least he does make himself available. He, he, he and Again, up until this past one, he always did the calls. He always at least would, you know, I mean, right. so I, there's always something to that. You at least stand there and are willing to let the shot come and be fired at you and you know, pivot it, but at least make yourself available. And, and you know, if it's stuff about, like, injuries and stuff like that, he'll usually give you a more direct answer. I think that they're not going to become media shy. I just think that it's going to pivot more toward mainstream media, and it's going to make it more difficult for industry-specific websites like Wrestling Inc. to get the access that they have been given in recent years, which is really a shame because, I mean, that's your hardcore wrestling fan base. Those are your most loyal fans. You know, if if somebody's reading about this in Variety or Deadline or even the New York Post today, um, yeah, you're going to have some wrestling fans read it, but you're not going to capture a whole hell of a lot of new fans that way either. So you got to play to your loyal audience. So I really do hope that that they keep these these calls going and, and, and keep giving some access. I mean, you remember when they opened the Performance Center and they brought all kinds of media down there? Yeah, we were trying to get out there. For yeah, that. man. Uh, yeah, I went down there and, I, you know, again, got like 2015. Got a great tour of the place. Got to get a tour of full sale and behind the scenes of NXT. It was it was the night that they did the thirty um, minute Iron Woman match between Sasha and Bailey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Triple H made a point to give sit and talk with me for. I mean, like it was. And then I know I'm not, I'm I'm not I'm saying that they did that with me, but I know they did with many others. That was again. That's what I mean. Like the transparent. Like that was that opened up a whole new thing because you know prior to that it, they didn't do anything for any wrestling specific media really. It was always as Chuck as you just said they they would hit the mainstream. That would just cherry pick the big stories and and would embargo things or whatever else, but they didn't really bother to acknowledge the wrestling specific sites, which 
you know, are, are where uh, the bulk of your audience is. Yeah. Um, so people, uh, people that don't watch wrestling aren't going to click on an NXT article on the New York Post. You know, you know what I mean? Um, so I guess what we're saying is we're going to miss Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully he's still around. And, and um, can I can I slide in one thing that's a little bit off topic, but just because we're talking about these scrums and 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 I don't know if NXT is going to have one anymore. Uh, I really wish that I could zoom the camera in a little bit closer on my face because I just want to say something to the other um, wrestling journalists who are out there. For the love of God, you have access to something that very few people do. Do not ask an in-character question, please, <laughs> Jesus. That is the least professional thing ever. End of rant. Thank you very much. Feel free to chime in, but I've just said my two cents. Again, listen to those impact calls. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> All right. Uh, back to our dynamite. We'll wrap it up here in the main event. Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Lucha Brothers up against the Young Bucks, Gallows, and Anderson. Uh, you know, it's the match you'd expect. For this main event of an eight-man tag, um, Bucks win. They get the Melter Driver on Phoenix. I've actually renamed it the uh, Raj Geary Driver on Phoenix. Uh, then out comes Omega for a promo. Here comes Christian Cage, but they outnumber him. Don Callis has got a hold of the steel cage control, so the cage comes down, and we just end with Omega and company just beating the hell out of everybody. They're handcuffing people. It's just they're just beating, beating, beating. Omega's still cutting a promo as the commentators are trying to give you the hard sell good night for the pay-per-view and Rampage. Um, I, I mean, a little bit of a, a different ending. I mean, it maybe even come off as disheveled, but it was the it was a hard sell of like, here's the Bucks who are dominating the Lucha Brothers in a cage, albeit they're you know they've taken advantage of them. What's going to happen when it's the Sunday? Here's Omega taking advantage of Christian Cage. What's going to happen? So, I mean, like, so it, it, it made sense in that regard, but it was a little rambling. And as we joked about earlier, this probably went on for many more minutes after TV signed off. Uh, Raj, uh, did, 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 was this the main event that you wanted for your go-home show for Dynamite? Uh, I, I felt like the match didn't matter. And, you know, it was it was the, the closing minutes. And I, I thought the, the closing minutes was really strong. I, I liked how chaotic it was. It didn't feel clean. It didn't feel organized. Because that's what it should be like when you're jumping a bunch of guys and guys are trying to get in the cage or keeping them away. It should be like just chaos. And it shouldn't act like you have lines that you rehearse that you're saying or lines that you have ready. You know, Omega was kind of just off the cuff. And, uh, and I liked how they explained that how Don Callis got the, you know, the cage control. Cause they never explained that in the past where the cage would drop, they would just drop it. So, I mean, it, you know, in the past, who are you referencing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I, I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, it just seemed to me like with this kind of, ending that the baby face should get the wins at the pay-per-view oh for sure um but i can't see christian cage beating omega that seems all kinds of wrong i could possibly see the lucha brothers but definitely not christian cage yeah well we'll talk about that here in in a second um but i i just i loved the way that this ended as well raj i thought that this was so well done it was so chaotic but there was 
there's just something about it that worked. You know, you've got guys crawling up the cage only to get knocked off and they're falling down. I mean, Jungle Boy took a hell of a bump coming down off of the cage. Um, and even the way that the show signed off, right? Doing that hard sell, that hard out there, as you still have a very active scene in the ring, to put it in police parlance, you still have a very active scene in the ring. Tons of stuff going on. But it kind of reminded me as they're going out, the way that WCW used to do it back in the day with Nitro and Thunder, you know, you still got all kinds of shenanigans happening inside the ring, but, but there's Shivani or, you know, whomever like, we're, we're out of time. We'll see you next Monday. And that's what this gave me, you know, it gave me kind of that nostalgic feel for it and made me feel a little bit more invested in Sunday, even though I kind of know that there's no chance in hell that Kenny, uh, that Kenny Omega is going to lose. Yeah. Well, I would have hated it if they ended it with the, the heels start posing and celebrating and the mute, their music starts playing. It just takes that, that realness and authenticity out of it. So I, I did like the way they did this. Well, WCW hard cells are a great thing to mimic. Let's not make the delivery <laughs> on the pay-per-views. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope we. Uh, let's hope we have our history book. Bash at the beach delivered. <laughs> Ninety-six. Oh, the one. <laughs> Never mind. Starcade ninety-seven. <laughs> Halloween Havoc uh, ninety-eight. <laughs> Halloween Havoc uh, with Hogan and Macho Man delivered, and Piper the surprise at the end. So there's one. There's two. two. There we got two. two. Out of how many? Out of how many? There's, More there's... than a hundred. <laughs> which which one went off the air? <laughs> oh, Halloween Havoc. <laughs> that was ninety nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. DDP and Goldberg. Oh, oh, I know ninety seven was the the the. Uh, the... Oh, wait, hang on. Ninety eight was the fall the fallout of Warrior and Hogan, right? And then the yeah. Fireball. And oh. I think ninety nine was the Goldberg and DDP locked up, and they went off the air. And... <laughs> At least, yeah. Then they also had, the, I remember, sold out where the, the week before they did this finish with Hogan and the Giant where Hogan just got DQ'd and that was it. And they were wrestling in the main event of sold out that following weekend. They do the match that sold out, they do the same exact finish. Hogan just gets DQ'd. And uh, people paid 30 bucks for that. Oh, yes. Anyway. This was a thing. Memories. Luckily, so far, AEW pay-per-views outside of uh, uh, the, the, ex- the explosion match. Yeah, uh, let's, let, let's let's hope that uh, Omega didn't design the cage. That's going to be that was the one time when Tony was really trying to get out of an answer during a, a media scrum. Was addressing questions about that dud explosion. Didn't he admit though that? They... <laughs> He wouldn't even pay the the, the pyro guys. That yeah, like... he said he never. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he said they came to an agreement. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he didn't pay the pyro guys. No, <laughs> good for revolution twenty twenty one. Good for him. <clears throat> all right, uh, I think that's all we got for tonight. It's been an hour and a half. It's been chock full of fun uh, here with Raj <laughs> and Chuck. We've touched on all kinds of things more than those on the script. Uh, Chuck, <laughs> you're, you're 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 more of the guest. This is Raj's house. I'm just a a regular servant. Uh, Chuck, what do you want to promote? 
<laughs> not a damn thing. Just what a good time I had tonight. You guys give me an no, opportunity no, to no, talk no, about. No, look, right, look, 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 look. Chuck, give me the Washington football team's record this year. I, I, I want something oh, out of you in the ending here. Shit. All right. So I'm thinking. Don't everybody, get hot. Don't, don't. No, 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 no. Everybody is high on the Washington football team. This always happens whenever they reach the playoffs, right? Let's not forget that they were seven and friggin' nine last year, right? Chuck, don't but, piss me off. I just wanted a good answer to sign off here. Just don't, don't, don't piss me off. Oh, four and twelve. Oh, <laughs> I'm taking. Ch I Chuck Carroll's been removed from this podcast. <laughs> I, see, I can do that, Chuck. I can Tony reality you. Right Whatever, now. Chuck. Pr get, get, plug your Twitter or something here. At Chuck Carroll WLC, you get your mix of health, you get your mix of wrestling. It's an all around good time. And Chuck will be back this Sunday for our all out show. Myself, Chuck, and one other person. We're working on that. Justin's not able to make it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working Friday. I got IWC wrestling Saturday night. The the, the wife, I have to do something to, to yeah. Ah. Your family. Say no more. Um, they're going to go 500, Chuck. By the way, the yeah. hell they are. Sir. <laughs> we have yeah, we 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 we're going to have the best defense in the NFL. I mean, Broncos are making the playoffs. Just Ryan so Fitzpatrick, and then we got an improved receiving core. The culture has changed, Chuck. Yeah, but I'm just not sold, man. What Raj, what do you want to, do you want to plug and promote? Uh, keep, keep it tuned in to Wrestling Inc. Right here, buddy. <laughs> keep it tuned in to WrestlingInc.com this week. It's a busy week. Already has been. Uh, we got, you know, our, 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 geez, what day is it? It's Wednesday. I never do the Wednesday podcast. It throws me off. We got Friday, we got Rampage and SmackDown. Uh, Sunday, we got All Out. Monday, and, and then it's back to the grind. Uh, so, Keep checking out WrestlingInc.com. we got a great interview with Kurt Angle this week, uh, Randy Couture. Um, it's all sorts of big names, so uh, keep checking it out. Dave and Labar can't make it. Clap, clap, clap. You're right. I can't make it. <laughs> uh, Bernie in D.C. Hail to the Ritz. You can't say that anymore. 10 and 7. Best case scenario. 6. Uh, Bernie. Stop at the worst. Bam. Stone. 9 and 8. Oh, we're, we're all. Hey, wow. it, it's, it's plus. All right. There it is. At Justin Labar, hit the follow button. I'll be back Friday morning on Busted Open. Make sure you uh, like, subscribe, do all the things for the Wrestling Inc. podcast. If you're listening to us after the fact on the audio the next day, I always I love to do this. Send me a tweet. Tell me how you're listening. Are you on your way to work? Are you on your way to school? Procrastinating? What are you doing? Love to hear it. And again, we'll be back Friday night after SmackDown. We'll be back after All Out. All kinds of stuff here on Wrestling Inc. We appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Wrestling. Making the world go round. <laughs>